Hi, I'm Clarinda Harris, and in a minute I'm going to get you, even the people that I know and know well, I'm going to get you to introduce yourselves so we can put your names right up here because I think it's quite creepy to be talking about something that's in its way personal and uh, intense, uh, the poetry, and to have no idea who the other people with whom you're talking are. So I think it's nice to be able to know each other's names. Uh, and we'll do that in one second. I just wanted to let you know that you were in the right place. I am Clarinda Harris, and this, I'm lucky enough, uh, with thanks to Pratt, to be able to uh, to do this. It's, it's wonderful for me, and it gets many juices rolling. Now, I notice there is a mic, but can you hear me without it? No. Because, I mean, this is a very, a very warm, the sound in the room is very warm, so I thought you could, and I like to move around. Uh, let me explain. What you just were given were two things, actually two and a half things. There's a, a handout of the, uh, the uh, poems that I wanted to use to sort of kick off what we're doing tonight, which is poetry based loosely the looser the better, on a photograph, but it'll be not one of these photographs unless you want to, it'll be a photograph that you are remembering. Um, and there's also something that came up every time I've given one of these series of workshops, the question of, but what is prose poetry? I mean, what is this oxymoronic thing? And it's, it's real, and uh, the Beltway Quarterly which comes out of the D.C. area, had a wonderful all-prose poem issue. And, and both the poems in it and the introduction by Abigail, I, think, I don't really know her. Her name is Abigail Becker. And um, I got the permission to use it. But then I noticed she, uh, I mean, I love what's in the handout. And I'd suggest if you come back to bring it every time because we'll dip into it. Or if you don't want to do that, just look at it on your own because it's very, very interesting. But the other thing is, I noticed in the introduction that she's using the word enjambment in a way that I never had. So I, I asked her about it, and she was very kind enough to email me back with a long explanation. And I thought, well, how great to have gotten into a dialogue. So I also ran off that email conversation, and if you don't already have it, I don't think it looks like that, and you can just sort of tuck it into that handout. Now, oh, you don't have, I'm sorry. You, did you get any of the handouts? Oh, yes, yes. Just, I'm sorry, just to let everyone know, this is being um, recorded for podcasting, and it will be up on the PET website. So if, if you have any... Um, questions, um, it would be helpful if you um, speak them into the microphone, and maybe should I um, leave it yeah, over Yeah, put it there, because and then 
Ms. Hyde is not going to forget that it's there. I will definitely forget that it's there. You can be counted on to write wonderful poetry and also to remember stuff. Alas, it is well, not I forgot my glasses, so I'm not going to be much good. Well, at least that, that object. And, and later on, we'll be actually sharing some jottings down that we can do tonight, so we can certainly pass that around then. Um, very quickly, before we do the introduction, I have a small raffle. And you have to answer a question. Whoever follows the answer out first, Gets First. To, oh, <laughs> this is Tim Ward. He's really cheating. Um, okay. Okay. This is the question. What language, based on a little bit of Hebrew and a lot of German? Yiddish. I'm sorry, I didn't even get to the, get the question. question. Uh, okay, uh, what was this past August the 50th anniversary of? Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's, that's coming up. Passive. Oh, what? What's the answer? The March on Washington. That's a book by the Beatles. Um, <laughs> you weren't even alive. <laughs> I know. I just know my That's how it is with historical memory. You don't have to be as old as it, do you? Now, that, both of those were published recently by Brickhouse Books, which is a publishing company. Mm -hmm. right. uh, okay. What is this, the unaffectionate nickname for? The White Rail. The White Rail. Rail. Had a bad reputation for. Taking people into the suburbs who really had not ought to be there, and they were going to rob, and they were going to steal. So the, 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 the light rail. The light rail. Oh, I said the light rail. Did you? Okay, I'm sorry. Thank you. Oh, the light rail. Okay. Oh, Clarinda. Yeah, that's a, a collection. Oh, I put I, this in my. Oh, it's numerous books, but that's my only existing collection of short stories, oh, and right. it just came out. Okay. Incidentally, yeah. um, it's a wonderful railroad. Mm. Oh, yeah, it's true. I love it. it. It's and it's pretty. It's so surreal when it goes across the lake. I'm like, whoa, out of a dream. Um, that's a good question for this. Okay, who is an African-American woman poet who also wrote children's books, and she died kind of recently? Lucia Thornton. Yeah. You got too many books. <laughs> you had a hand up, and you didn't I'm say I'm sorry. He was, he was going to say Lucille Clifton. I heard yeah. him. Uh, the question would be, uh, would have been, she was the poet laureate of Maryland for, oh, I guess, a number of years that they might have been before you were born. He had a okay. Thank you. He, he read your lips. And uh, Rosalind, uh, Kendra Kapelke is in this book. This is published by Chesia Thompson. Yes, and I got it last that, time. Right? Oh, well, I got so that one in my book. Okay, who knows what this supposedly French word means? What is also a legal term? Let's see it. What's it say? Mortmain. Oh, dead hand. Dead hand. Dead hand. And um, as a legal term, do you know what it means? It's got to do with wills, I think. That uh, you can't. You got the second question. Yeah. You can't you, uh, do it from the grave or whatever. Right, you can't. Like, you know, Pratt could not have made a will saying that he was going to leave his entire fortune in perpetuity to his dog because hmm. A, it made no sense, and B, you, you can't do something in perpetuity. 
So you can't, your will, when you're dead, you can't decide what's going to be done years later. Oh, right. You can so only leave one trust. Exactly. So all of it, but the word mortgage has a uh, similarly interesting. Yes, right. Right. Was it you that was writing something about that? No, but it's a good idea. Baltimore writer. Okay, let's see. There's no question to go with this. Um, what is my boyfriend Tom's favorite color? Blue. <laughs> okay, I just uh, a couple of those things. Little chat books are ones of mine that I just happen to have some of in my cellar. Although not all that many. Um, the others are fairly recent books for my publishing company. So I thought, you know, that's sure well. I'm also giving you a chance to brag about Brickhouse books, which is. Oh, 40, it was 40 years old last October. So anyway, let's find out. And even if you know, Tim, that I know your whole name and I know it well, you tell us your name again, okay? Tim Ward. Is there anything else we need to know about you? Uh, I'm no longer six foot tall. Really? Are you taller? No, I shrunk. Oh, dear. I survived that, uh, obviously, that, that terrible surgery that was had me limping so badly uh, the last two years. And you are? Nancy, and my name is spelled N-A-N-C-E-Y, has a sneaky E in there. Kinley. K-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-N-L-I-
or will it emerge as we talk poetry? Well, my middle name, okay, it's about poetry. Well, uh, my dad actually was a, a singer, and um, he grew up in Jamaica, mm. and, and like, uh, that was in like the oh, yeah. 70s, and um, he moved here in, in the 80s, and met my mom in New York, He actually had a big effect on um, the history of this country. And, um, more, more will emerge because I bet when we're thinking about using family photographs as an inspiration, like probably you have a rich source there. And let's see, so we know we know Ed now and Matthew. Matthew with two T's, Matthew Stremba. S T R E M B A. I like to write. I like to play the fiddle. But I would never dare be so bold as to call myself a writer or a fiddler. I like these things, but more important is I'm fighting creeping dementia. So, do you memorize poetry? I do. That's and cool. they have these wonderful meetings here, Poetry yeah. by Heart. And, yeah, yeah. Right, oh, right. I completely forgot about that. I missed the last one. Let's see. I, I don't want to get it wrong because I know your, your Rosalind and your Rosalind are spelled differently. And you're, I'm going to give it a try. Oh. Is it close? That's Rosalind. It's Rosalind. I oh, dropped okay. the A. So R O S L Y N. Rosalind Carter. Uh, last name is Richie. R I C H I E. Yeah, I'm a, right now I'm a docent at the uh, Museum of Baltimore History, and also I'm putting together an archive of Baltimore City Poets, which you already know. You got the catalog, right? I did. Thank Good. you so much for sending that. And I don't want to out your class, but you're thinking... Um, yeah, I'm thinking about... Well, I'm, trying, I'm enrolled for the summer program at um, University of Baltimore, and it's a creative writing. It's time. I think so. I have a body of work, and Clarinda um, is uh, familiar with some of it, and um, I'm glad to be back in this class, this forum, because it feels good. It's warm for me. Right, or are you like Wilkins Avenue? W I L K I N S. Oh, okay. That's a with that. And with an H on the end, please. H on Sarah. H on Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Tim.
So, what? There, there's a lady. Oh, I'm sorry. It's France like the country Z E V D. I was making it much harder. And then I was also thinking, this should say France. Hi. I go way back with a lot of people. And another gentleman just came in. And he's he's in the process of doing handouts, so Okay, what I thought I would do tonight was very, very selfish because, as some of you know, I'm pretty much a formalist in a lot of ways. I, I love playing with sonnets and villanelles and, and sestinas, and I like to invent strange forms, and, and uh, some of them want to become songs, and some of them want to be crumpled into small wads and, you know, shot into the nearest trash can, but it's always a, a form of useful play for me. But I also have found that very recently I've gotten so absorbed in the formal aspects that I was kind of neglecting to dig into myself and write about things that I needed to write about or wanted to write about or thought might be a good idea to try to write about. And I found that an exercise I do for myself, and I hope it'll be useful to you all, even though you may have already done it many times. But whether you have or not, it's, it remains, I think, a very useful exercise. And that's uh, what the handout that I gave that is labeled something like one. And I did everybody get it. I'll show you which one it looks like. Since I think, with one exception that I know of because he's my friend Tom, I think I must be the oldest person in the room, but does anybody else in here remember I Am a Camera? Hmm. It was Cabaret. Cabaret, which became Cabaret. Originally it was, was a stage play. Sure. Yeah. But, so that's where I Am a Camera that is talking about. Hmm. Um, Oh, and did you did you get a handout? Did yeah. you? Right. Okay. Thank you. And there's one person who just came in, and I'm not sure. Right over there. We 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 did the routine where even if I do know you, you're gonna say your name, and I'm gonna write it up here. Michael. Yeah. I'm, I was actually doing it. I'm Don based on Christopher Richard's program stories. What was that? Say it again, because it's, it's just sound gets muffled over there. Yes. Cabaret evolved from John Van Bruten's I Am the Camera, and that came out of Christopher Isherwood's Berlin stories. Mm -hmm. I Am the Camera, all the pictures have been taken, the shutters were. Right mm -hmm. Charles. That, that's good. That's, that's a, that, do you happen to remember who was the actress who was very, very young, but she was in the, the stage version? Julie Harris. Julie Harris, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's golden oldie. She went to my old school. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I went to Hewitt. It is the smallest world ever. Well, 
our minds are big worlds, so let's let's think for a minute. I, I just uh, got together for this handout some, I felt, very memorable pictures that I knew had been the source of poems. And read the first one here, Reginald Harris. Reginald Harris, who was for many years of an employee of the Pratt system, um, this this photograph is the cover of his most recent book. It's a quite a wonderful book, and uh, I asked him if I could use it as the cover of this handout, but as far as I know, I don't have one of his poems in here, and I did that on purpose because I think everybody should run out and get his book as soon as possible. It's a wonderful book, and um, just it just came out. Would you like an interesting word to go with autogeography? Sure. Ann and I are in a workshop with uh, Shirley Brewer uh, on Saturday, and a man just joined us, and he wrote a poem where he made a geography of his heart and emotions and whatnot. And he introduced us to the word topophilia, mm-hmm. like any other philia. A love of place. I started to say, is it a real word? But of course, now yes. it is. It's, it's a wonderful word. I don't think he's that far before he, uh, he is a geographer. So. Teacher of geography. Well, it's your, uh, it's good to meet Topo Dick. If you're if you're a teacher of geography, for sure. Um, there are just a couple of them I wanted to call to your attention. Uh, the author of "Take This Spoon," which clearly is a paradistic rendering of "Take This Ring." Um, all the poems in the book uh, came from her associations with this photograph of her uh, parents looking gorgeous and young and being married. And if you look at the poem, though, the poem has nothing to do with the church steps or, well, it has everything to do with the young couple, but it has a very ironic connection with it. It's take this spoon and the poem is letting the cat out. And could you, just for a second, we get a reader for it? Okay, thank you, Joel. Alright, I'm letting the cat out. Both the length of the having hot potato as you might prepare a heart spin soil. Make the sign of the cross by filling the other way. Squeeze both ends, being careful not to burn your fingers. One or two butter pats. Salt and pepper over that. Soy sauce goes on the table. Okay. You want me to start all over? Yeah. yeah. Alright. My voice is a, yeah. Fork the length of the piping hot potato as you might prepare hard spring soil. Make the sign of the cross by tilting the other way. Squeeze both ends, being careful not to burn your fingers. One or two butter pats, salt and pepper over that. Soy sauce go on the table as accompaniment. You'll never again eat a baked potato any other way. Salt the cantaloupe, serve salad with, not before, not after dinner. Cocktails first, and a dressing drink before that. Count to ten, we're blanching, 
while blanching tomatoes in boiling water as she once taught you, standing stoveside in her shield black apron, a dime von Furxenberg under that. Her third vodka in the other hand, learned the whole liquor-like secrets you swore never to tell. Later, when you think of calling her after abortion or divorce, let the phone rest silent on his cradle. I mean, my gosh, starts out with thinking about her parents' marriage, thinking about the photograph, how to, how to eat a baked potato, and look where it goes. Look where it goes. Look how it darkens, and look how you realize that what the title means. Mm. Somebody explain. Not, maybe not everybody's even familiar anymore with the expression mm-hmm. "letting the cat out out of the bag." That's from whipping people. Well, letting the cat out of the bag has come to mean yeah. uh, letting a secret out, mm-hmm. a secret that was supposed to be buried, but uh, the mother's alcoholism wasn't. And I, I find that looking at the, uh, the wedding picture of this mm-hmm. incredibly beautiful couple in their beautiful, elegant, classic dress. Um, and then looking at this poem ha- creates a, an irony that I think is, is kind of wonderful. Here's a little bit more about it. So a dressing drink, please. Huh? A dressing drink? Oh, I know what that is. I'm sorry to admit it. Um, anybody else? Well, go. Is go it away. a drink that you have while you're getting dressed? Right. In order to get ready for the cocktail party, you've got to have a drink while you're getting dressed. Oh, um, yeah. What's Diane von Furstenberg? Oh, anybody? Oh, I know who she is. She's dressed as her. Right. This is this this. Oh, okay. Is also wearing what she got dressed in was at the uh, for, uh, Diane von Furstenberg. Yeah. So yeah. So. There are a couple in here that are so complex and so beautiful that they deserve to be read on your own. But I wanted you to look with me at Into the Fall, which is on page four, but it's not really page four, that's just the page number of the... I guess it is actually page four of the handout. This is by Peter Weltner. He is, his second book just came out from my publishing company, and he's doing a whole series of poems loosely based on photographs. An embarkation at Stanza's Center rhymes by Alice Elder. Don't go worry about the title. I mean, it's, it's true that he was using another poet's rhyme scheme, but I just wanted you to look at the photograph. And because it's almost Valentine's Day, I think we really need to read at least poem two on here. And Peter Weltner is one of those people that can make rhyme really work. I sometimes can and sometimes can't. But anyway, can we get a reader for the poem affectionately known as two on here? I don't think it matters what gendered voice it is. Okay, it's not going to be me. Do we know where it is? I four. Uh, oh, that one. I'm so sorry. Good. Same page. And also, although it's certainly not the San Francisco Bridge, he 
Peter Welton is from San Francisco, so I have to figure who? Weltner. It, it's on here. I never still have those thoughts. Okay, All right. Come, come, love, hold my hand. Appears more sure than land. Since nothing hours, since nothing hours may stand. Walk out. The waves beat fast. Cities fall. Bombs blast. Fire rages. Earth cannot last. Walk to the end with me. I say. Such mist is yesterday, today, it burns away. Why stay? And you, you stare into the night as if it gave delight, like a ship on its way to harbor. That's a little confusing. Slight underlines. But there's only one word in the whole thing that doesn't rhyme, and it's the last word in the poem. The harbor. Yeah. I mean, as the person who was reading it, Raphael, did that bother you? It did. Yeah, it startled you. It just threw me off. It startled your mouth, didn't it? Yeah. It startled you. You read that very well, and this is a poem that has so much enjambment, which means that the thought runs past the end of the lines. You almost have to practice it. You did a really good job. But I think like the ship on its way to night, on its way I gotta email Peter and find out why he did that. And I know it had to be a reason. Except I think I suspect what it might be. I, it sounds good at the end. Like East right, it says appears more sure than land, right? So basically, they're on. It seems like they're on the pair, you know, like two lovers staring out and thinking about all of the troubles in the world. But let's stand here and just look out into into the fog. And does he? Does, does the author seem to think that love is permanent and everything is? You know? It doesn't seem like it. it's like while we have it, let's just stand here and it. And it's amazing because I I've um. I've done this before, you know, like, I'm sure a lot of people have done this before, you know. But when you stand there at the pair, like, I could really feel what he's saying there, you know. This, I think, is a great poem. And also, it does kind of just drift off, Yes, what, what Peter Weltner does, I, in every case here, I picked pictures that I knew for sure had been inspired by a photograph. So um, Peter Weltner has a friend who is acknowledged someplace on here, it should be, it should be more obviously done, who is the photographer. And the photographer supplies the photographs uh, that he uses for the for the poems. Like, if you turn a, uh, turn the page over, it's a poem worth reading on your own, and it's called A Prayer to a Man of Sorrow. <laughs> the whole poem is here. It looks like it's cut off, but the whole poem is here. Uh, his friend uh, created the photograph, and uh, it's, a, it's a very, it's a fascinating photograph. 
and all the photographs in Peter Weltner's collection are black and white, and they are all a little bit hard to see, and I think that was part of his point, the, the blurriness. I don't know about you, but it took me a long time to see the, the person here. And that evanescence, I think, is very much a, a part of the poem. And then there's another poem, just because you don't always have to be uh, lugubrious or even dead serious, I threw in poem of the day, My Father's False Teeth. And poem of the day comes to me and my computer, courtesy of the Poetry Foundation of America, which publishes Poetry Magazine. And, uh, and there's really a, I mean, some of them, there's will be one by Dr. Seuss, and there won't be one by Dante, and there, there'll be a song, uh, you know, by Bob Marley, and there'll be, I mean, it's really an amazingly eclectic thing. And ever since I read this poem, I just couldn't stop thinking about false teeth. And um, sometimes it wasn't a fun thought, but then when he got it together with what he did, who wants to read it aloud? This one is, is I think hilarious. Here, here's a, a date over there. Yeah, I, no, I think you'll be good with this poem, Tim. Sherman Alexi is a poet and a short novelist and storyteller. And in one of his stories of leaving uh, life on the res to go take care of business, he and another uh, uh, Spokane Indian had to ride the bus so they made up a chant to describe how they found about felt about something and it goes John Wayne's teeth John Wayne's teeth hey uh, hey uh, John Wayne's teeth now I've got to try to keep a straight face if, if you'd have seen it, it was, you don't have to I, th I think uh, it was in the movie Smoke Signals Sherman Alexi fine poet poem of the day my father's false teeth by Richard Garcia I take my dinners alone in my room, but I can still hear them through the door, my father's false teeth, clicking like a wooden gate with a metal latch swinging open, swinging closed. In a water glass at night, they float like an exhibit in formaldehyde of a stillborn child. The nightlight shining through the glass, a spelunker's flashlight in an underwater cave, illuminating the fossilized tooth beak of a fierce bird now extinct. My father's false teeth when he tries to spit in the... <laughs> my, I'm sorry. My, my father's false teeth when he tries to spit in the toilet fall in. Only my hand is small enough to reach underwater into the hole and pull them out from the pipe where they are wedged sideways, slightly open. Sometimes a woman expels from her womb something that is all hair and teeth. George Washington was said to always dine alone. His teeth were made of wood, whalebone, and mastodon ivory. My father's false teeth, God's first clumsy attempt at wings, two imprints of a horse's hooves in red clay, hinged together, ringed with small square bones, too heavy to ever fly. My father's false teeth, in the click of computer keys, in the tick-tick of the eucalyptus outside the window as it twists out of its skin that falls on the pavement like sheets of parchment. A faraway splash in the middle of the night, I sit up in bed startled. It was George Washington throwing something across the Delaware, not a coin, but his teeth. <laughs>
I loved it. Oh, the thing at the top, by the way, I, I had to add on my own, it is a photograph of the kind of tumor, which this poem touches upon yeah. the tumor that has the hair and the teeth. Mm -hmm. and the we, Mr. Woodman used to gross us out in biology about that. Do you remember that time? What, 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 but, and you flushed it down the toilet? No, they, uh, no it, it's, but it's a, a medical phenomenon, that's true. Well, I've heard this sometimes But have you seen those teeth? Oh yeah, there's a whole exhibit. I wouldn't want to put them in my mouth. I need teeth. His series of failed Yeah, it's. He had a terrible disease when he was younger, which is why his teeth came out. But they also were not very good at making. No, no, but I mean, he had a problem with his teeth because of his illness when he was younger, which is why he never could have children. Yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't it's know a that, fact, that right? Mm -hmm. But it certainly explains what many of us think is rather a sore look on his face, but it was just the face, the face that was in front of those teeth. Um, because when I think of photographs of my grandmother, she was one of the most cheerful and smiling and, and lovely, adorable people. Um, her always many different shades of blue. She, she was just she was grand. But I always think of her photographs of having that look on her face. And I've been told by my children, I get that look also, mm -hmm. because it embarrasses me so much to have a photograph taken when I know it's being taken, and I don't know what to do with my face, and it does something terrible. So I, I was trying, and this is what I hope that some of us can get a little bit of internal inspiration from, and that is trying to remember a photograph. Not a photograph you can just whip out your phone and look at the, you know, the screensaver, but a the photograph you actually can't look at, but are kind of striving to remember grandmother's look. She stands in Kodak black and white, gripping her pocketbook, her face in the grimace my mother called the Christian look. She looks at her 70-something date who's not in the picture, of course. She's entirely too young for me, she says, but I could do worse. She brought her the gar he brought her the gardenia pinned to her tailor-made suits with milk. She didn't find tailoring herself. The flower is unwell. Though it doesn't show in the photo, every flower she wore took ill. Grandmother stopped wristwatches, too, and her look could kill. That was great. Mm. I was just, it was just having a good time, but it was, I was thinking about the Christian look and how my children and my grandchildren just ridicule the look I get on my face. My mother was, mm -hmm. um, my mother was a high Episcopalian atheist. It, uh, What's that? Exactly. That you don't believe in the king. <laughs> 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 but, you know, she always ridiculed my family's Christian work, which 
shown is very long on puritanical and disapproving of the camera, but not in person. So my poem is also a bit of a lie. Her real-life look could not have killed. But the look in those photographs, as I recall them, and as my mother ridiculed them and abused them, um, it, that, that look could have killed. It was a very inaccurate look. But it gave me a good time in, in that, that very silly look. You know, the line, that, the line that spells it all to me is the flower is on the well. <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean that just kill flowers and watch them. But but people do do that, and she did do that. There are there. No, well, my sister was like that. Yeah, no. it's, it's a metabolic thing. Of course, it can't be. a watch with the bag. Well, no, no, no. But it's, it's true. true. It's yeah. Just like animals can tell when yeah. you like them. Yeah. She really did wilt flowers, and she'd say, "I told him. I told that silly man. I told him. I told him. Don't keep bringing me flowers. Don't just stop But anyway, what I think I'd like for us to do now, without further ado, is to, to do some jotting right now. Right now, with other people looking at you, and nobody's expecting you to write a poem right now. But try for a minute thinking of a photograph. I suggested a family photograph, but it doesn't have to be. Oh, oh yes. If there was a, yeah, Michael, you can get it. Anybody else not have? I will share this, but, uh, and I also brought some other. Who did the piece of paper? That was what Kim was noticing that many of us do. Anybody not equipped with something to write on? Because I even forgot to. And I forgot to suggest that in the uh, information that went out about the workshops. Because anybody, who else? Do you, you have something? Oh yes, I can see you. Too. Stuff to write on. Stuff to okay. Stuff everybody. No, I was I was the guilty party. And uh, so just just take a few minutes and rummage, rummage in the album that is your head or your bureau or whatever. You could always invent one of a photograph. Yeah, of a person. A person that. that the reason I suggest doing this exercise with a photograph you can't actually look at, you may, uh, your mind may make a uh, collage, actually. Or who isn't in that picture? And why? Is it because the person was taking the picture? Or is it because of some other reason? A person that maybe should be there but isn't. Who's not there? <clears throat> who, if you could do real life, might be there? What do you know you're forgetting about that picture? But you can't look at it, so you just have to wonder, why, why can't I remember that about that picture? Was there a dog in it somewhere? Season? No. I'm going to do the same thing, if you don't mind. I'm just going to jot some notes and see what happens. Michael, did you, do you need a... You don't need a... Okay.
Anybody is willing to just share some of your jottings, that would be great because we know that they can't, well, they probably can't possibly be a poem already. But if you're on a roll, just go like that and don't listen to us, just keep doing what you're doing, okay? But have we got anybody look like Francine? You, I mean, why do we keep calling Francine? It's because I thought that's what you. You did look like you had kind of finished jotting. Have you? Are you? I did finish. Are you? Are you willing? You don't have to, by the way, because sometimes you don't like I mean, to share jotting. I'm sure jottings. there were no rules to how we were supposed no, to. No, none at all. Okay. Go. Yeah. And let me. Do Do you want me to say anything about the photo or just anything you feel like? Okay. I'll just. I'm just going to read exactly what I wrote. <clears throat> photo of my dad as a toddler. Girls, curls, white shoes, very still, stark look. Not sure if it's a boy, girl, uncertain age. Are you in a wagon, on a tricycle, sitting in a chair? Are you wearing a dress? I think I can see your lower legs and some tiny frills on your ankle socks. Or are those white bobby socks? Who dressed you? Your eyes look sad and big. Who are you looking at? Why aren't your brothers and sister with you? Is there a cat or dog nearby trying to draw your attention? You look like you'd rather be anywhere else. Was it maybe snowing outside? Are there bows and buttons on your frock? That is a frock, isn't it? Hello, little boy who's going to grow up to be my daddy. I made it quite early to my usual spot writing today and am proud to say that I read a few books and wrote not one thing because I've tried to rewrite this one poem too many times. Anne's uh, heard it. We're in the same workshop on Saturdays where it takes up two lines. And here I think I finally got out what I've been trying to say a little bit. There was a photograph in the New York Times back in the... 82, 3, 4, 5, whenever they had one of many famines, is it the, what's the cape at the top where Eritrea, Djibouti, and the cape of, anyway, it was a 
a picture of famine relief uh, above the fold, as I recall. Yeah, I, I, I can, if I try, I can still see the photo, but I really have to try to see the photo. It's no longer a photo. I cook rice. I have this untitled. I cook rice. Eat it off the floor when dropped. If lucky, it is raw, not yet cooked. And I always see the sexless child crouching in the desert dust under his mother's bony knees as he picks, as it picks, the grains. Did I call him a sex? Yes, I did. As the child picks the grains beneath her large bowl. I used to always see the child as a newspaper photograph from a famine in one of those African countries, Eritrea, Ethiopia, Djibouti. But that was long ago, and now I only see the child's ghost. It surely could not have lived this much longer. Though the government trucks still hand out rice, and I always pick up my own spilled grains, no matter how dirty the floor in the house where I cook my rice and live. I'm going to work on that, but that's the most I've ever... A lot of us probably remember that specific photograph. But do you, do you remember that? I think, I, I just think yeah, I do because the mother's knees and then the child. The mother's knees and the child right there in the government truck and mm-hmm. you can see the child, the sexless, mm-hmm. hot gun. So you wrote it out from being a photograph. I, I cannot see that. I cannot see that as a. Fo- I, I, I can picture the newspaper, but as soon as I try to picture the child or, or the scene, it, it, it's almost like I'm, I'm standing there watching this. Like I'm the photographer. I'm just. And I do. I, if you eat rice at my house, be forewarned. If it's not dropped on the floor or on the counter, it gets cooked. I have to eat it. There are not star- starving children in my China. There are starving children in the country. I got in a fight about that photograph, too, now that I remember. Any other I, I just am stifling one that I wanted to ask, but I'll ask it later. Uh, does anybody have some more of your thoughts you'd be willing to share? Thank you. Ed, ready? Mm-hmm. <coughs> Mechanism coming. Family, staged, perfect. A man well-groomed in a gray suit, seated on a sofa, wearing contentment. The boy on his knee wears shorts and a shirt, white socks and shoes. Oddly, the outfit mimics the suit. Beside them, the wife, her hair severe, her look fixed, wan. Now, looking back, it's hard to resist the thought that she may see the future. To her right, two girls, hair arranged, smile obediently, and even the Cocker Spaniel's shiny coat says this family is well poised. This family is solid. This family will not let the mother go out one day for a procedure, even one they are assured is routine.
No, I was just going to say we're, that one of the, the last of the three you workshops. The last one the yeah. Last one. yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I didn't quite get that. Sorry. Uh, well, I'll back up a couple of lines. Uh, this family is solid. This family will not let the mother go out one day for a procedure, even one they are assured is routine. I'm sorry? I say it's a poem that really knew where to stop. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. The, the third workshop is about revising and doing and, and chopping off that one unnecessary thing mm -hmm. or realizing that, wait, something that's really been left out of this poem that needs to be revised larger rather than smaller. But, I mean, yours illustrates perfectly a poem that knew where to stop. Yeah, because it, it leaves you wondering. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> make an apology here. I, I didn't bring my glasses, but I'll do the best I can. This is Olga Georges Picot, school photograph. She was my dearest friend at 13, daughter of France's ambassador, spoke four languages and then some, yet managed to have been born in China, traveled the world before she was 12. Then she disappeared back to Paris, didn't see her again for years, Reappeared, a beauty, perfect in all ways. New York debutante, date of the Aga Khan. Diamonds are a gala's best friend, the photo in Vogue read. Self-designed her own ball gown. White chiffon egg with white lace tail, shocking white. She'll be back soon if that test of 20th century fox gels. How different our lives were. Olga, beauty. Star of Alain René's Je t'aime, je t'aime. Olga, famous beauty. Movie, man who haunted himself. Dominatrix in Woody Allen's Love and Death. Olga had everything. Olga was blessed, just blessed, or so I thought, until she flung herself from the eighth floor of a maison particulière in the 17th arrondissement. Real person. Oh, did anybody have any doubt of that? Mm -hmm. I mean, as you as you were reading those details, but you know what? I think some of us may have felt made it ring especially true was the precision of the address of where she hurled herself to her death. I mean, just to say from a from a hotel in whatever, uh, I think would not have made me as willingly believe. That's really yeah. shocking. I, I mean. I look at her pictures on the uh, you know, internet. From time. I mean, she was just gorgeous. And she seemed to have When you were writing that, did you feel that you wanted to uh, to speculate about what led to her? No, I, don't, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. It's like that, was it Jefferson, what's, it, what's his name? Roberts, Jefferson, yes. Roberts. Robinson, Jefferson. Yeah, Robinson, Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah. Jefferson. The man who's always smiling and he goes home and puts a bullet through his That's, um, 
Richard Corey. We all ended so, up knowing what you meant. Yeah. So yeah, but that's a great example too because uh, when uh, Simon and Garfunkel made a yeah, recording of I Richard did. Corey, uh, uh, yeah, Paul Simon extensively apologized to the public and to Edwin Arlington Robinson for having to make it so much longer. But a, a recording, especially on an album, it has to be that long, not that long. So he had to make it longer. And he said that he felt he did just ruined all the subtlety. By, and so that's what I said, you didn't try to explain her death. And it would be Edwin Arlington Robinson poem, which... Uh, that's the best I Right. We... Uh, the fact that it doesn't explain anything. It puts us Where, in do, What's the name of that poem, do you know? Um, Richard Corey. Richard Corey. Worth, worth checking on, because it's a yeah, wonderful it's a poem, and it's very, very short. Another bunch of poets and poems that are like that are the Spring River And that was a committed. Now it's left me. The, the author of Spoon River Anthology. Oh, God. Eckerly Masters, the three named gentlemen whose names are sort of similar. Yeah, um, could you could you tell us where what, what he did with those? Because it's a fun well, exercise was, you can still do. A, it was from a graveyard as if they were speaking. And some of the things, I mean, they hit, hit you at the end. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And there, he, was, he walked around and looked at real headstones. Yeah, oh, no, they were real. They were yeah. real. And they made, a, they made a play. I mean, it was, I saw it. Yeah. It was really moving. Yeah, it's, it's where the people amazing. took the parts of these mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they were speaking from the grave, of course, all in his wonderful ventriloquism. Yeah. They were very short. Most of them were extremely You know Meg McGee? I do. Of course you do. But she's always finding things of that sort. And she found a headstone, a photograph of a headstone, and the name is Hee Hee. Oh, that's what else do you need to put on a headstone besides hee hee? I hope the sense of humor of the carver matched the sense of humor of the interred. It looked very good. You know what Dorothy Carver was? Pardon my dust. Oh, yeah. I'm going to steal this away from you for a minute because France is next. Sorry, I have a cold. Um, I got called to Uncle Vlad. Um, This was a friend of ours that died last year. I'm sorry, give me a second. Um, And it's, he was, um, worked at a haunted house in Pennsylvania and he was the master of ceremonies at um, Balticon Masquerade every year and he was well known as dressing as a vampire all the time. So we called him Uncle Vlad. And he was, um, I just mean, he was suave and debonair. Center stage always suited him. He just, he was always in the middle of something. What's missing is his wife and his voice. He had this wonderful good evening. (laughs) Um, and that the one line I had is, the undead cannot die, no matter how much we wish to let them. Pictures multiply into either. I'm sorry, I can't do this. Do you think I could do it, or, or Dan next to you could do it? I don't know if you can read it. Well, let me just say one other thing. This is a good segue to that. Um, there is no homework in something like this, of course. However, mm-hmm. if, you, if you feel like working further with what you've been working on, because I actually do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can certainly uh, 
share them at the beginning of the of the next time if you plan to be here the next time. And you could also here I'll put my email address in between in red matching the You could if you felt like it, again, only if you're in the mood and you feel like it. Um, You could email them to me, and I could make a little compilation. And, and Kim, I don't, I'm not looking at you. I'll run them off. I mean, you've, you've done enough running sure. off of stuff. But it's C H A R R I S S. My ancestors could not spell, or else they would be in fancy. It's Harris spelled wrong. So it's C H A R R I S S at Towson.edu. So I mean, if, if you if you get in the mood, you get in the mood to do it. Yeah, I was thinking if you even can come up with the picture that you sort of had in mind, that would be wonderful. Man, we would have such an anthology. Woo. If you forget Clorinda's email, as I often did, I found it easy to remember that she is this Brickhouse Books. And if you oh, Google right. that, yeah. you'll find her email. But I think just <laughs> plain old, that, that's, that's a good point. But yeah, I, I think this one is just so... Well, I guess it's easy because it's my name and I remember You my still get your mail? I do. I, I don't have any other email account than that. I have some obscure Gmail account that I always forget to look at. But <laughs> Are you on Facebook? I am on Facebook. Oh, you're kidding. I'm sorry to say that I'm on Facebook. <laughs> I, every now and then I found it handy, but mostly... Oh, I'm I sorry, if you're Facebook lovers, but, but for events it's good, and, and also you keep in touch with people, though. it does enable you to keep in touch with people, and oh, it gets you well. back in touch with people that you thought were gone from your life forever. So I will, I, I will be good. Much. I will look at my Facebook account also if that's easier for you. I call but, it in your Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I call it brag book. Well, I don't know, but bragging about your grapefruit that morning. I mean, it's like, oh, I mean, oh it's re revolting. Yeah. Baby pictures, dog pictures. But some of them are, every now and then there's there's something kind of wonderful. But anyway, not to debate the uh, the, the media, but there's there d d various ways. And if I have them um, in any format from which I can print them, uh, rather than having to copy them out myself, because I'm about to make mistakes in your poem. But if, so that's why I recommend this. It's so easy to print them. Okay. Send the so, um, you can um, oh, that's true. You could attach it. Yeah, but only if it's in the video. Um, if you, I'll, I'll look at Facebook. I'll be good. I'll look no, at no, no. I just won't know how to do it. So, I'm, yeah. Or you could just bring it. Oh, because, great. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's always the in person thing. Okay. That's that's not all bad, you know, to actually look at the photograph. Um, would you would you, would you you like um, Anne or Nancy to read it? That's where I stopped. Yeah. I'll start again. Uncle Vlad, suave and debonair. Center stage always suited him. Missing that voice, good evening. Master of ceremony, tucks and tails. Can't remember if it was fog, if there was fog. 400 people came to the memorial. The undead cannot die however much we wish to let them. Pictures multiply in the ether. Probably hundreds of these photos, of these photos, can't remember exactly which one I'm seeing, but subject was unique and irreplaceable. 
want me to keep? Oh no, that was that was that one. That was that was. Yeah. This is not the best I can do, but I just read what I wrote. Alright. I don't want to take a picture unless I'm the camera. Leave me out of this. I'm just an amateur. Not to be negative, but I'm still developing. An all, an all black dog with a purple tongue. <laughs> Strong as a lion. Strong as a lion. He barks like a gun. His eyes look as if he's been human a while. The best of my friends from adult to a child. This is what you love. You do it all the time. Just hold a microphone. You know you'll make it rhyme. Even if it doesn't, you do it because you love it. I can't remember. Hold up. You do it all alone. You do it in the public. Uh, and I was gonna continue on and uh, talk about the picture, but um, I guess I'll just but, do but that you later. Right, right. So that's all I got. Yeah. But did it start rhyming or was I just deaf at the beginning? I, I yeah. liked the beginning so much, the energy in the beginning. Did it, it start just, rhyming later? Yeah, I just was like, I just thought like I couldn't come up with the picture. I just kept thinking about like like I said, it, you know, we were all thinking like death, like somebody that passed that we lost. So I was trying to figure out the picture. And I'm like, I don't want it to. That's, that is a very memorable dog. The security guards are out there letting us know that it's going to get bad out there and they want to go home. Ooh, okay. So I think yeah. that's what's happening. So, I like the line, the dog barked like a gun. Yes, yeah. I love that. Oh, my God. That was my dog. Oh, man. Yeah, was your dog? Yeah. His name was Nico. Nico. Yeah, he was an all-black chow-chow with oh, listen, a purple you tongue. Got a great yeah. You really do. Thank um, you. 